Amen. We'll go ahead and dismiss our children to Kids Church this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to open up to Genesis chapter 3, everyone's favorite Christmas passage. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to be talking this morning about peace. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, this is uh, the last Sunday uh, before Christmas. This is our uh, last Christmas Sunday, uh, typically in the Advent season. However, this year, we get a fifth Sunday of Advent because Christmas falls on a Sunday. Uh, but this Sunday, we're talking about peace, talking about the peace that comes when Christ comes. And so I invite you to open up to Genesis chapter 3. And we will read verses 8 through 15. And this is why we need peace. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. And they, they being Adam and Eve. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Because of this you have done, cursed are you more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Let's pray. God, as we read this passage, Lord, may we be encouraged that this is not the end of the story. May we be encouraged that you came to bring peace. Lord, and may we experience the peace that is in Christ. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to preface my message this morning and remind us that Jesus came to bring peace, not to make things peaceful. I think that oftentimes we we hear the proclamation of the angels, we read the the Christmas story, we, we watch Charlie Brown Christmas and we see Linus stand up and we say, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he, he begins to quote from Luke 2, and he says, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For today in the city of David, there is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, praising God, giving glory to God in the highest, saying, Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And we, we see that proclamation of the angels there in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. And we see... That, that the angels proclaim that there will be peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And there is this idea 
there's this idea that, that when Christ came into the world, that He was to bring peace. And then we look around the world, and we see that there's not peace, and so something went awry. And what is that that went awry? Well, I want to remind us, and I want this message to understand, on the other side of this message, I want us to understand that Christ came not to make things peaceful, but He came to bring peace. There's a, there is a distinct difference between that which is peaceful and, and a, an end to hostility and an end to the enmity between God and man. And Christ came not to make things peaceful, but Christ came to bring peace. In fact, I want to point out to you a passage in Scripture in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, from the words of Jesus... He said very plainly and very clear, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. He said, do not think that I came to make things peaceful. I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And we're going to talk, we're going to come back to this passage because the scripture does not contradict itself. And so I want us to, uh, I want to make sure that we understand that nowhere in the scripture that we believe that God's Word is holy, that God's Word is without error, that God's Word is in no way, shape, or form contradictory to itself. There's never a time in the Scripture where there is, where there is contradiction in God's Word. You say, well, preacher, I'm, I'm looking at the text, and it says in Luke chapter 2 that, that when Christ comes, that there will be peace on earth. And then Matthew chapter 10, we read, don't think that I came to bring peace on earth. There's a contradiction right there, preacher. I'm proposing to you this morning that Christ came not to make things peaceful, but to bring peace. And that peace is necessary because of Genesis chapter 3. And so we're going to begin this morning and we're going to talk about the enmity. We're going to talk about the nature of the curse. Because the nature of the curse is the reason that there is a need for peace. If we look back through history, it's not hard to conclude that Christianity did not bring peace. It's not hard to conclude that, that with the proclamation of the gospel, with the coming of Christ, even back before Christ, that God and His people we're always at the center of conflict. In fact, if you look back through the history of, of God's people, we see that conflict was always at the center of the people of God. If you begin, if, if, if we take the redemption story and we go back to the very beginning, we see that conflict in the name of religion was was a center point, a centerpiece of the story of redemption. If we go back to Exodus, as Moses was leading the people out of the nation of Egypt, on the tenth, uh, the tenth plague, God sent a death angel to destroy all of the firstborn of those in Egypt, all those who did not have the blood over the doorpost. Now, I don't know about you, but when death comes, when death comes, that is not a peaceful resolution. 
but rather that brings more conflict. And after, after Pharaoh woke up that morning and saw that his firstborn had been afflicted and was, was dead, that angered Pharaoh and he gathered his armies and he went after the people of Israel. Only to come to the Red Sea and watch the Red Sea part and the nation of Israel cross on dry ground. And then as Pharaoh pursued them, the waters of the Red Sea closed down upon Pharaoh and all of his army and they were destroyed. And then they go into the wilderness and after the wilderness, the people of Israel enter into the land of Canaan. And as they go into the land of Canaan, God says, go into the land of Canaan and destroy everything. Every man, every woman, every child, every donkey, every cow, every dog, every cat, destroy it all. That sounds like peace, right? And then, and then after Israel, after Israel experienced, we see, after Israel experienced the conquest of the land and the inhabitants of the land, we see the story of the judges. And we see God. We see, we see God raise up judge after judge. We see God raise up Othaniel to destroy the fat king Ehud. We see God raise up Jephthah. We see God raise up Debron and Barak. And we see God raise up all of these judges. And the role of the judge, the role of the judge is to destroy the enemies of Israel. Sounds like peace, right? And then after Israel continued to, to be disobedient to God, God raises up enemies of Israel to destroy Israel and to send them into exile. And we see the exile of the Assyrians. The Assyrians come in and drive the northern kingdoms out. And then we see the Babylonians come in and drive the southern kingdoms out. And then we see the Persians come in and take over. And we see the Greeks come in and take over. And we see the Romans come in. And there's just peace all over the place. You say, well, preacher, that's all before Jesus. You're right. And then Jesus comes. And all of the wars and all of the conflicts end, right? Wrong. Not even close. Jesus comes. And now, not only is there conflict between the Jews and the pagan world, but now there's conflict between the Jews and the Christians. And the pagans. And so you have the Christians who are being persecuted by the Jews, who are being killed by the Jews. You have the Christians who are not only being killed by the Jews, but also being killed by the Romans and by the pagans. And you have millions upon millions of Christians who were slaughtered in the first three decades of Christianity. The first three centuries after, after 300 years, the bloodshed is, is immeasurable. But then Constantine comes, and Constantine brings peace amongst the empire. And Christianity is now legal. And so there's peace. Until... Christianity decides that we must by force make everyone Christian. And we have the Middle Ages filled with the Crusades where Christianity goes to war against Islam and millions upon millions are slaughtered in the name of Jesus. And then you have the Spanish Inquisition where millions more are killed in the name of Christianity. And then you have the Holocaust, where millions and millions of Jews and Christians are killed. But Jesus came to bring peace. So where does this conflict, how do you justify this conflict? Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I want us to understand. Jesus said, 
Because of sin, there is a curse. God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Well, this is Eve. And so, every human being on the face of the earth is from the offspring of Eve. Enmity. What is enmity? Enmity is a, is a constant state of hostility. It is a constant state of hostility. Have you ever, have you ever had a relationship that no matter, no matter what happens, that, that there is a constant state of hostility? There was a kid that there was every, every husband and wife looks at each other and says, yes. I know exactly what, that, what that's like. There is a constant state of hostility. Every time I come home, there are clothes all over my bedroom floor, and I don't know why you can't just pick up your socks. And the husband says, every time I come home, there is, there's dishes all over the sink. I don't know why you can't just, just keep the kitchen clean. There is constant hostility between our human relationships. Why? Because of the curse of sin. There was a kid whenever we were growing up, his name was John Corsi. John Corsi was my arch nemesis. I was growing up and, and we, we my, my brother and I, and you know, we, had our, we had our friends and you know, we would always, you know, we would play football in the front yard and we would play kickball in the front yard. And, and anytime, anytime John Corsi came over, it was... There was just something about this kid, and he just made my blood boil. And in fact, we would we would go in the backyard, and we would we would make forts, and and we would we would you know do things that boys do. We had machetes and and little hatchets, and and we would you know make forts. And and it's interesting because men make forts, girls make tents. Uh, men were making forts, but why? Because we're going to battle. And, and so, so we're building this fort and there was always booby traps that we had to make because we had to protect our fort from the enemy. Now, we're nine and ten years old. We have no enemies. No one is coming to attack our fort. There is, there is not going to be a siege on the Thompson fort. But we always expected and anticipate there to be a siege. We always expected there to be an attack. And, and we, were, we were always at battle with John Corsi. This guy, he was just, he was my, he was my nemesis. And, and I just did not like this guy. There was, there was enmity. Now, I had no reason not to like this guy. You know, maybe because he was better looking than I was. Maybe because he had more friends than I was. Maybe because he was more athletic than I was. I, I don't know why I didn't. To this day, I don't know why I don't like this kid. But if he walked through the door right now, I would go, John Corsi. There was just, there was, there was enmity, there was, there was a constant state of hostility between me and this guy. Does anybody have a relationship like that? Anybody? Am I the only one? Am I the only heathen in this room? There's somebody, somebody that just, that, that just grates at your soul? That's, that's the word. That's the idea that Moses is using here in Genesis 3. God said, God said, I will put a constant state of hostility. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring 
I will put this, this sense of hostility between all of the offspring, all of the people of the earth, and Adam and Eve's direct descendants would illustrate this. Cain and Abel are born, raised by loving parents who teach them to fear the Lord, and they bring an offering to God. Cain brings his offering, Abel brings his offering, and God says that Abel's offering is better because it was, it was a sacrifice. It was, it was a blood offering. And Cain gets jealous. There is enmity. There is hostility. And so what does Cain do? He murders. Every offspring, every man is afflicted with the curse of sin. That's why we lie. That's why we cheat. That's why we steal. That's why we get jealous when others are more successful than we are. That's why we, we, there's a sense of selfishness that we want what we want regardless of, of, of what anyone else says. We want what we want. The curse of sin creates a constant hostility between God and man, between man and man, between man and Satan, between husband and wife, between brother and sister, between mother and child. There's a conflict in this world because of the curse of sin. You don't have to look far to see it. You turn on the news, and depending upon whether you're listening to CNN or Fox News or CNBC, the Republicans are the bad guys, or the Democrats are the bad guys. There's conflict between the Republicans and the Democrats, between the Republicans and the Democrats, versus the Independents and the Libertarians. There's conflict everywhere. There's conflict between poor and wealthy. There's conflict between black and white. There's conflict between good and evil. All because of sin. Well, I want to remind us, Jesus came not to make things peaceful, but to bring peace. Let's go back to the text. Matthew, uh, Genesis chapter 3. I want us to look at verse 15. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And look at the next line, the last line. He will crush your head and you will strike His heel. From the very first pronouncement of the curse, God also pronounces the cure for the curse. He says there will be a curse. There will be hatred. There will be hostility. There will be enmity. You will be at constant conflict with all of those in this earth. But that constant conflict is not eternal. That constant conflict will not last forever. That there will come an offspring. There will come a seed. There will come someone from your line, from your lineage, who will crush the head of the serpent. And if you go to the very beginning of the book of Luke, Luke travels the lineage of Jesus back not through Joseph, but through Mary. 
And we travel the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Eve. Demonstrating that there will come an offspring from Eve who will fulfill the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3. And that's why in Luke, go to Luke chapter 2 verse 14, Chris. That's why the angels make this proclamation. The angels made this proclamation. He said, behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be to all people. And there was suddenly a great multitude of hosts with the angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom He's pleased. The peace of proclamation was this, that Christ would become the curse for us. The curse that was proclaimed in Genesis chapter 3, Jesus became that curse. In John chapter 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, And God made Him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin. Christ became the curse for us. Christ became the consequences of sin and endured the consequences of sin and suffered the penalty of sin. God made Him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came to become the curse for us. You say, okay, preacher, I understand how Jesus came to bring peace on earth, but let's go back to this passage in Matthew. How do you reconcile that where Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword? Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. We must understand this passage in context. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring sword. And following this, He said, For you will hate your mother and father. And if anyone does not hate his mother and father, then he cannot be a part of Me. Jesus is saying, I have come that I might reconcile man to God and all those who desire to come after Me must surrender and must follow Me and they must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and only then will you experience peace with God. Jesus is not advocating hatred. He is not advocating Conflict. He is not advocating enmity. What He is saying is when you love God because of the curse of sin, because of the curse of sin, God desires us to love Him, but because of the curse of sin, that men hate God. And when you love God, when you love God, they will hate you. And they will, they will attack you. And there will be persecution. And there will be struggle. And there will be conflict. And that's what we see throughout this world. And Jesus said, I desire for your love for me to be so much greater than your love for everyone else that in comparison, your love looks like hatred. The Scripture is not conflict. The Scripture is not contradictory. The Scripture tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Love has conquered this curse. 
And on that night in Bethlehem, when Mary found her way to a barn, probably a cave, in the back of someone's home, and she bore a child, she laid that helpless child in a feed trough with hay and wrapped him in dirty cloths. The promise that God made in Genesis chapter 3 was manifest when Jesus was born. The offspring of woman would crush Satan. And when Jesus hung on the cross and said it's finished, the sin debt is paid, He became a curse for us that we might experience peace with God. And it is only through Christ that we have peace with God. So I have a question for you this morning. Have you experienced peace with God? Revelation chapter 22 reads like this. Starting in verse 1. He has given John this vision. And He showed me a river, a river of water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Why? Because for thousands and thousands of years there's been conflict. Because the curse has ravaged this world. Revelation chapter 22 tells us that God is going to bring healing and peace. Look at verse 3. There shall no longer be any curse. That's the peace that the angel was proclaiming. That one day, there will no longer be any consequences of the curse. Because Christ will put an end to the consequences of sin. Verse 3, there shall no longer be any curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb it shall be in. And His bondservants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face. And His name shall be upon their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night. And there shall have no need for the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun. Because the Lord God shall illumine them. And they shall reign forever and ever. There's coming a day when there will no longer be any sorrow any sickness, any pain. Because God has brought peace where there was a curse. Let's pray. God, we thank You that in Christ we have peace. Not that this world will be peaceful, not that it will be absent from conflict, not that the consequences of sin and the nature of sin will no longer rear its ugly head. But that when they do, we can rest in the promise that You have given us peace. That You have paid the penalty of sin and death. That You have endured the consequences of sin on our behalf. That we can experience the truth, the reality of peace 
there are those here this morning who don't know peace. Who spend their lives in constant hostility. May I invite you to come. Trust in what Jesus has done because only through Christ will you experience peace. There are those this morning who maybe need to come to this altar and forgive brother and sister in Christ. Maybe there's hostility that you are harboring in your heart. Maybe there's bitterness. Maybe there's anger towards another brother or sister in Christ. And you're holding on to that anger. You're holding on to that bitterness. Saying, I have every right to be angry. I have every right. God has called you to be an instrument of peace. Maybe you need to come to this altar and pray. Don't leave this place without experiencing the peace that God desires to give. God, may your Holy Spirit move in our hearts here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand and worship with us?